Hello, and welcome to this episode of AMLE's Research to Practice podcast. I'm your host, David Virtue, a professor of middle grades education at Western Carolina University and editor of AMLE's research journal, Research in Middle Level Education Online. I'm joined by my co-host, Andrew Maxey, Director of Strategic Initiatives for Tuscaloosa City Schools in Alabama and a member of AMLE's Board of Trustees. The purpose of this podcast series is to highlight recent research published in Remley Online and to discuss its implications for the education of young adolescents in middle-level schools and classrooms. Andrew, in this episode, we're focusing on an article titled, Teachers' Perceptions of Increasing STEM Self-Efficacy Among Female Middle Grade Students, published in the May 2023 issue of Remley Online. The authors investigated how two middle grade science teachers built STEM self-efficacy in female students during formal instruction in the classroom and beyond the classroom. I suppose an important question to ask at the start is, what is STEM self-efficacy and why is it important? All right, uh, David, we have two concepts here that we need to understand separately so we can understand them together. Mm-hmm. So according to Bandura, self-efficacy refers to the judgments a person makes about one's own ability to organize and execute a course of action to attain a specific goal. That's a mouthful that says, basically we're saying self-efficacy means my beliefs about what I can do. And then of course, the, the action that follows that. So the authors, uh, sorry, then then STEM, science, technology, uh, engineering, and math, um, is the second half of that. So the authors conceptualize STEM self-efficacy as an individual's judgments regarding the level of knowledge of STEM concepts, skills with STEM practices, and ability to execute STEM-related tasks. According to the authors, a person with high STEM self-efficacy will be more likely to be motivated to perform well and persist with STEM-related tasks than students with low self-efficacy. Let me say it a different way. If you believe you can do the thing, you're more likely to do it than if you don't believe you can do it. A little bit of an oversimplification, but... That's the heart of what we're talking about. And so why is this particularly important for middle grades education? Well, as the authors noted, uh, females are underrepresented in STEM professions and in higher education degree programs in that area, math, science, engineering. Mm-hmm. The authors believe addressing STEM self-efficacy might be a key to moving the needle in a positive direction mm-hmm. on this important issue. It's 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 a very powerful point, but it's also a fairly simple point. If our female students believe they can be access, uh, successful and exceptional in these areas, they are more likely to join those fields of study. Yeah. Of course, early adolescence is a time when when young people are developing their, their identities in all sorts of areas and exploring careers. And um, yeah. And as we were talking about earlier, this is kind of personal for us as as dads of 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 daughters. I've got two in, in middle school right now, uh, so this a lot of this rings rings very true. Um, the authors, as you mentioned, used Bandura's theory of self-efficacy, which, as they explain it, there's four components or, or dimensions to it: mastery, experiences, 
vicarious experiences, social persuasion, and psychological states. So they explain that mastery experiences occur when someone takes on a new challenge and achieves success. For example, when a student successfully performs some STEM-related activity, they perceive themselves as able to pursue learning in those disciplines. Uh, success breeds success. The right. other is vicarious experiences, which involve seeing people similar to oneself succeed by sustained effort, which then raises their beliefs that they too possess those capabilities. So this might involve, for the purposes of this study, would involve seeing positive female STEM role models. Hmm. Social persuasion refers to receiving positive verbal feedback when undertaking a complex task. And that feedback can persuade someone to believe that they have what it takes to succeed. In the classroom, that may come from an encouraging teacher or from peers who provide positive feedback and support. And then finally, psychological state, that fourth dimension or component, refers to how an individual perceives and manages their emotional and physical reactions to some stimuli. So how does the student respond when they engage in some challenging task that involves STEM-related content? So let's let's give them their due. The authors gave us a very thorough conceptual and theoretical framework for the study. Yeah. And, and we just skipped the surface with, here. We're just yeah, skipping yeah. the surface. Extensive yeah. review of, of the relevant literature. I want to also credit them for saying the fact that they focus on teachers and their day-to-day -day work. Mm -hmm. So studies, as you know, often investigate the implementation and impact of researcher-created interventions. Mm -hmm. These authors examined interventions that the teachers created and used in their own classrooms to support female students' STEM self-efficacy. Uh, don't want to overplay it, but almost like a, a real-world development and implementation and what that looks like. And so the, the, the researchers helped generate new knowledge that could be useful to other teachers interested in developing STEM education experiences for females. Yeah, I call that process grassroots epistemology, the process of building up and disseminating knowledge mm -hmm. up and out from the classroom mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. teachers by teachers. And in this case, the, the researchers are helping to facilitate that. Mm -hmm. uh, they used a qualitative multi-case study design. So they selected two science teachers who each served as a separate case. They collected three types of data. They administered screening surveys. They conducted interviews following a, a interview protocol and they collected artifacts like lesson plans, teaching materials and such. The data analysis occurred in three layers. So first they analyzed data for each case individually. And then they did a second phase of cross case analysis to look for patterns across the two teachers practice. And then a third level of analysis involved what they called analytic mapping where they're looking for more connections within categories that they had already identified, and then making connections to the extant literature, research literature on, on this topic. Mm -hmm. And they found in these two teachers' classrooms that mastery experiences and vicarious experiences were prominent ways these teachers attempted to promote STEM self-efficacy. Mm -hmm. The two teachers' use of mastery experiences involved incorporating projects and strategically structured group work implementing active student-centered hands-on learning like a zombie outbreak simulation and a tall tower index card engineering competition 
And finally, recommending that female students participate in STEM enrichment opportunities and higher level STEM courses in high school. In fact, one of the authors said that one of the teachers described herself as a, as a hype woman for science outside of <laughs> instructional time. Vicarious experiences were evident in two general ways. So first, the in the self-developed teaching practices, these two female teachers model on a day-to-day basis. And second, by incorporating female role models from STEM fields into instructional materials. One teacher in particular was very intentional about incorporating diverse female scientists and engineers such as Mae Jemison, Rosalind Franklin, and Maria de Pena. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the authors found that the the teacher's understanding of STEM education did not quite match the definitions Uh offered by organizations like NSTA. Uh So there were some, some discrepancies there and they recommended that teacher training and professional development aim to promote a deeper understanding of the purpose and tenets of STEM education. Uh, of course, STEM, where STEM activities should address, for example, you know, more than one discipline. It shouldn't simply be a science mm-hmm. activity or a mathematics activity, but should be an integration of, of disciplinary knowledge and and, uh, and and skills. And some of the tasks were not were not doing that. Uh, they also identified a lack of clarity about the meaning and sources of STEM self-efficacy. So the the teachers would conflate these ideas and confuse a sense of efficacy simply with with their sense that students were enjoying an activity and efficacy is about more than that <laughs> uh, which gets to the next recommendation that that emerged from these findings and that is that teachers should learn and practice evidence-based approaches to actually gauging efficacy in the classroom and this can be done uh, as the authors say in a systematic way using self-reports Mm-hmm. scales where, where teacher where students produce I can statements about mm-hmm. their level of efficacy uh, doing doing certain tasks so I, th- I think it's really interesting um, this observation by the researchers that there was a, a little bit of misconception and room for growth in in that area of deeply understanding stem self-efficacy and even stem education. Uh, that really tracks with my observation about uh, a misinterpretation of collective efficacy, which is also rooted in Bandura's original work. Um, In that case, my observation is that the cognate uh, confuses us. What I mean is we talk about collective efficacy and we talk as if we mean collective effectiveness, like if we work together, things are better. Mm -hmm. That's not wrong, but collective efficacy speaks to if we all are convinced this will happen, it will drive us to make this thing happen. So in this area, I think there's an interesting parallel here that it's not just about students liking a thing, it's about students drawing down into their core this conviction that they can and because mm-hmm. they can they will mm-hmm. um so that that the just the unleashing of that potential 
it's not a thing you give students. It's a thing you, you release from within a student. Mm -hmm. Which is the very essence of education. There it is. Forth what's, what, what's in there. Yeah. And of course there are things that, that teachers can do to bring that about. And Mm -hmm. we were talking before we recorded, I was sharing with you about, my my middle child my divergent learner and when she mm-hmm. started middle school a couple of years ago um just what what a wonderful job her math teacher did at mm-hmm. at building her sense of efficacy her belief in her ability to do right. the work even when she struggled um but then also some of the things a school can do from a policy standpoint to uh put a focus on mastery learning and to lower the stakes a bit. So a shout out to, to my daughter's school, Hughes Academy in Greenville. Uh, they, they have a, a redo policy that, that emphasizes mastery. And when she was struggling with math as a sixth grader, you know, knowing that it's not the end of the world, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to get help from my teacher. Yeah. And I'm going to master this. I'm going to be able to do this. And, and, and she did. And, um, and it's just been a beautiful thing to watch to watch these ideas in practice and up close. Yeah. Well, we'll conclude our episode on that note, our episode on teachers' perceptions of increasing STEM self-efficacy among female middle grade students. The article was published in the May 2023 issue of Research and Middle Level Education Online, Volume 46, Issue 5. And uh, I encourage you to read, read the article, our listeners, to... Um, go out. As we said earlier, we're just scratching the surface. This is a really rich study. Uh, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Amelie Research to Practice podcast. And uh, all of the articles featured in the podcast are available online through our publishing partner, Taylor & Francis. You can easily find links to research in middle-level education online and to other AMLE periodicals under the resources tab at amle.org. Thanks again for listening and for all you do to improve the school experiences of young adolescent learners.